Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater. We're just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. Welcome to the number one podcast in the whole nation, Beyond the Breakwater. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. This That's is a dream. Ed. It is a dream. We haven't released any of these yet, <laughs> but it's a dream. So, Ed, last week we had talked about Alice, and you had mentioned being aware of people in your environments, having empathy, asking questions, getting to know Alice. Um, real quick before we dive in, I had been having a lot of thoughts on this, but can you recap who Alice is? Yeah, if you haven't heard of Alice before, United Way is the one who led the pack in this and are still doing this. It's in about 27 states in America. Uh, Alice is a population who makes between $30,000 and the number we're using is $72,000. So $30,000 and below for a family of four is considered poverty. Uh, Alice is $30,000 to $72,000, but even if you look up those numbers with United Way, you might see 59,000, but you'll have to listen to last week's episode, uh, episode number four, so that you can understand um, we adjusted those numbers a little bit. So those who make between 30,000 and 72,000 for a family of four. Awesome. Okay. I want to make sure we got that out there before I started in my, my verbal processing here. But you had mentioned being um, in the grocery store, going to uh, an auto garage, helping out the person and just charging for whatever amount that they could pay. Um, this was a little bit harder to do at the grocery store. Um, you know, I think my first reaction when someone can't pay for the groceries or I just want to to serve someone and um, to help them out, how do you do it where you're not just like paying for their whole bill? Like how do you tangibly do something like that? You know, I think that's the biggest uh, threat. I don't, I don't know if it's the right word. Um, sometimes our compassion gets in the way of robbing somebody else from their dignity. And what I mean by that is, just imagine being a single mom. You're in line. You're looking at your groceries. You've calculated out almost to the penny how much money you have and all the items that you have. And so you've been playing this game of how much can I really spend on groceries and your kids want certain things. Um, now you get to the checkout and somebody reminds you of how much you struggle by paying your whole bill. And you just are just almost like slapped with, see, you can't even provide for your own family. And the person who did that may really think, I'm really helping this mom. And they don't realize they just punched her. Um, it's kind of like a sucker punch because it's like, see, you can't take care of your family and I had to rescue you and help you. And she won't necessarily walk away with a lot of gratitude. She's going to walk away almost like, I can't believe you did that to me. And she'll probably cry. Um, and I don't think that's a normal or an unusual thing. But there's a better way. And, and this would be what I would suggest. In fact, I would, I would suggest every listener, we're in a cashless society, um, always have cash on you, always. 
Because here would be an example. You're in line, just take a peek back and you see a mom and you kind of see sometimes when she's like adding things up and, and she's got her kids with her and you just want to do something nice for her. Um, you can, when you're done checking out, you just hand the cashier a $50 bill and say, would you put this towards her bill? And what you've done is you haven't robbed her of anything. You've just recognized, I understand it's a little hard and I have a little extra and here's just a little something that you can put towards it. Um, you'll probably make her cry, but in a different way. Hmm. It's going to be a, um, tears of gratitude of I'm really trying. You know, this is, if you can almost get her to talk, she'd be like, I'm trying so hard. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you for just recognizing my dignity, but helping me out just a little bit. And sometimes, I got to tell you, sometimes it's really funny, okay? So I was, uh, I was at the Ball Diamond a couple of years ago, and I saw a single mom with these kids in front of me. And so I just decided to buy them all ice cream. <laughs> and uh, so they came down, you know, the person came down, and I said, would you mind if I bought your kids ice cream? And she said, no, go ahead. So bought them all ice cream, you know. And um, here it turns out she was the wife of a baseball player who was making millions of dollars. <laughs> and here I was like trying to help this single mom just a little bit, like maybe I can buy your kids ice cream, you know? And I'm like, wow, you could have bought the whole stadium ice cream. <laughs> yeah. You know, here I am buying your ice cream. Uh, so sometimes those will happen too, but that's okay because you're doing it just because you care. That's mm -hmm. why you're doing it. And mm -hmm. she was so appreciative. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm sure she looked at me like, you have no clue. <laughs> and she was like, I got to go find some other kids to buy some yeah. ice cream for now. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes that happens. But our topic for today is how to help somebody by maintaining their dignity. And I think that's so important. And I think we lose sight of that when we do things for people. When Whenever you do something for somebody that they could do for themselves... Um, you're really hurting them. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's um, a message that we have to go really deep into because I think churches are guilty of this all the time. So when you talk about situations where people are being robbed of their dignity, what kinds of um, like charities or things should we not be doing? We're going to call it good charity, bad charity. Mm. Bad charity is doing something for someone when they could do it for themselves. How do you know? Um, well, you don't always know. Sometimes you have to do a little bit of checking and a little bit of investigating. Uh, when you have people that are standing on a corner and they can stand and they can walk and they're saying, please give me money. If you can stand and walk, can you be a greeter? Can you be at a grocery store? Can you sit down and can you check people out? See, you're doing something for somebody that it appears on the surface that they could probably do something for themselves, but they're choosing just to ask because they can make a lot more money. And so anytime you're thinking of any kind of charity, ask yourself, is this good charity or is this bad charity? Um, good charity, and this is um, depends on if you're in inner city or somewhere else, um, good charity is when you're helping somebody who does not have the ability to provide for themselves. Uh, it may be a widow um, who doesn't have a lot and 
she's really having a hard time with medicine and food. And helping somebody like that um, is a fabulous way to do charity because they are unable to provide for themselves. And so you're helping them. That's great charity. But when you're providing charity for somebody that can actually do it for themselves, but they're choosing not to, um, there's a word for it. It's called pauperism. Um, and what that is, is, is you're doing something for somebody who can do it for themselves. And so you've demeaned them, you've robbed them. Uh, if we look at the Bible, let's go back to the Bible for a moment. God created the world in six days and said, rest on the seventh day. What was God implying to us? Work six days, rest on the seventh day. God did it. That was the same mandate. Adam, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did he say to Adam? By the sweat of your brow, you're going to work the soil. And it's not going to be easy, but you are created to work. Paul in the New Testament said, if you're not going to work, then you don't get to eat. What's he saying? He's saying that there's so much value in work. But so when you do something for somebody, you take something from them. And I think that's the hardest thing. So let's let's unpack that just a little bit, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when you give something to somebody who can provide for themselves, you're not really helping them. You may be helping them with food, but in the process, you're robbing them. So let's say, for example, I'm in need. Um and I'm at a food giveaway, and you're one of the persons at the food giveaway, and you're a provider of food. Your church has given food, and here I am. I've got my hand out. And I walk up, and I've got my hand out. Uh, you feel like a million bucks because you're helping me, and you feel amazing. But you know how I'm feeling? Like, wow, I can't even provide for myself. You know, I have no dignity. In fact, I've left all my dignity outside, and I'm coming here as a beggar because I'm worthless. I'm feeling worthless. I'm feeling like you're robbing me. You're taking something from me, and you are taking more than you are giving me. So in exchange for food, you've robbed me. So as the provider of food, like, I don't mean to do that. Like, I don't want anyone to to feel that way. Like, what do I how can I level the playing field? Yeah, it's, uh, you have to be a little bit creative. Um, here'd be an example, Christmas toys. I think I might've used this example, but let's use it again. Cause I think it really fits. Um, every year we would give out Christmas toys and, uh, our church would give community would give toys and then we would have a big gathering and we would give all these toys away to kids. And a dad came up to me and he said, Uh, Ed, I don't mean any disrespect, um, but you're giving away nicer toys than I can afford for my own kids at Christmas. Uh, We were giving away tablets and bikes. And and when he told me that, it was really the first time that I realized in this endeavor of toys how much damage we were doing to this dad. See, we were stripping his God-given provider of his own family And not just that one time, for the whole rest of the year, every time that child got on a bike, he would be reminded, you couldn't even afford that for your own child. Somebody had to give it to you. 
So imagine for a whole year watching your kids play with toys that you couldn't afford. Um, that's not a good thing. Mm. That would be so hard as a parent. So we changed. We never did it that way ever again. Now we take our Christmas toys and we charge pennies on the dollar. Say you might get a $150 bike for 10 bucks. Might get a tab. We sold a tablet for $15. And uh, that was a great story because her mom came in and she had kids. And she said, I know it's a long shot. She was right there. She came in and we were talking and she said, how's this work? And I told her and she said, well, I heard about it. And she said, you'll never believe it, but I'm, I'm desperately hoping that you have a tablet for my child because he needs a tablet. I can't afford one. Um, all the other kids have it in school. I couldn't afford one for him. And so she said, I'm here because I'm really hoping you've got a tablet that I can buy for my child. We did. She paid $15. Wow. And she walked out and she cried because she bought it. See, that's the difference. When you sell something at a price that a person can afford, it's a business deal. Mm. I mean, if you can see what we're doing, it's a business deal instead of a handout. We shook that's hands the difference. for the listeners. <laughs> yes, we just shook hands. Uh, because... If you have a tablet for $15 and somebody buys it, that's the business deal. The person who gave it went out, bought it, but made it available at a price that somebody else can afford. And because it's a business deal, nobody's robbed. So the person who gave it can walk away feeling amazing because they made it available to a mom to buy. The mom can walk home and every time, guaranteed, every time that child turned on that tablet, she was reminded, I bought that for you. Hmm. And then when she thinks about the church that made it possible, what are her feelings towards the church? Gratitude and thankfulness that you didn't rob me, but you helped me. You helped me do it for myself. And now I have the joy of watching my child play with that tablet every day. Hmm. So there's still this ability to serve just in a different way capacity. So assessing where maybe someone can't do something for themselves, like we can provide that opportunity so that they can do for themselves only what they can do. And we're providing the avenue. Yeah, that's exactly right. So here'd be another example. Let's say you're a car person and you like to putz on cars and there's somebody that you know that needs brakes. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody go out and change each other's brakes because that's not a safe thing. <laughs> but let's just say you do know how to change brakes. And you say to that person, you buy the brake. You buy them at the store. This is what you need. I'll put them in for you. It's a business deal. Mm. And I feel like a partnership, too, it's with partnership. that person. Right. Yeah. So I was able to give something and she was able to buy something. Or he. I don't, I don't always want to say she. Mm -hmm. um, Becky's just the one that we always have in our mind. I think that helps us with every decision that we have is just to think about Becky with three kids. Um, and it's because here in Michigan, 71% uh, of all uh, female-led households are Alice. 51% mm -hmm. uh, of all male-led households are Alice. And 51% of seniors are Alice. Let's not forget them. And so... Um, going back to good charity, bad charity, I think um, you have to look at the person. Um, you can make a business deal with them. 
Um, but I think the church is really guilty of doing a lot of wrong things. Mm-hmm. Now, that's my assessment. Mm-hmm. When you're handing things out to people, I think you're hurting them. We can go all the way back to the 1890s. One of my favorite books, um, it's called The Tragedy of American Compassion. What's great about that book is that you can go back to the 1890s and see how they did compassion. How did they show compassion? And they had something called in the 1870s, a church started this. They started a wood yard. That's what they call it, Mm. a wood yard. So anybody who came and said, I'm hungry, the church would say, great. One hour of work cutting wood, and you get a meal. Two hours of cutting wood, and you get a meal, and you get a place to stay for the night. And this was what was so brilliant. You know what they did with the wood? Hmm. They gave it to a widow who could no longer provide for herself wood for Hmm. heating her home. And so here you took labor from somebody who really wanted to work, and you exchanged it for food. And then you gave it away. And that's like the most incredible example for good charity. So when did it shift? When did that stop becoming the norm? Yeah, we're going to go deep into this in a couple of weeks. Um, but it really shifted in the 1900s. And the whole century during the 1900s, there was a shift away from churches doing good charity. Churches actually did really good charity in the 1800s. There was nothing free, and you had to earn it in some capacity. And But once we hit 1900 and the government slowly started to take over things, um, and then it became law, um, then everybody was entitled. So it was actually better for people in this model, quit your job and just get all the benefits. And so what we did is we just um, permeated a whole society of people that were so capable of working but would rather not work and would rather get benefits and would rather have somebody else give them money like the government. Um, And so we created a whole society of how come all these able-bodied people aren't working? Then these able-bodied people are coming to churches and saying, I can't afford life. Can you help me? And the church goes, okay, here's a gas card. We're helping somebody who can provide for themselves but are choosing not to provide for themselves. Um, and that's just bad charity because now you've robbed that person of the joy of working. You've robbed that person of how God created them, and that was to work. You've robbed them, and you've taken something from them, their dignity. Mm. And that's what churches are caught up in. So what about the person who, like, they really do need, like, a handout? Like, is there ever a need of for a handout? Should we be getting rid of handouts completely? Where's the time and place? Well, it's going to go back to what are your circumstances and where do you currently serve? Uh, For example, um, in Detroit, um, there are people that are living on the streets, probably all over America, sometimes because of mental health issues. Um, They wound up in the streets. They can't work. Impossible. Um, Helping them? Absolutely. They can't do it for themselves. No matter how hard, they'll never do it. Um, So there's times and places to help people. But when you're helping somebody that could do something, 
Like if you had a soup kitchen, um, are people capable of setting up chairs, taking down chairs, cleaning tables, serving? You just gave them dignity in exchange for food. Can they help clean up after others? Uh, because some are going to come to that to say a food, a food giveaway or like a soup kitchen. And you know, nobody else is helping them and they can't provide for themselves. That's great charity. That's where the church should be focusing. The church should be almost like two tiered, you know, on one side, help everybody who can't help themselves. Churches can do that. Um, but then at the same time, don't help anybody who can do it for themselves. Make them do something for it. And then what you're going to find is that they're grateful. And we have this at church. Um, it's really sad. It's a sad commentary. Every day we get phone calls and people walking in. And they come in, they're like, I need a gas card. Um, they're not nice. And here you have somebody sitting at a desk who's standing between somebody who wants a gas card and somebody who has a gas card and that person standing in the middle. And what we've created as a society is that person now gets abused, accused, sworn at, made to feel like, don't call yourself a Christian. You're not helping anybody. I need a gas card. You won't give me a gas card. And we've created a monster in the society that people are having to like fight for, be belligerent, scream, yell, make you feel bad, swear at you until you finally give them what they want. That's not how God created us. And so I know when people come and they need help by us, um, we give them a job. And it's so funny, Lindsay, when they're like, what? Well, you need money, right? I do. Okay. How about we give you a job? You want to work for a few hours and we'll pay you. We'll pay you very handsomely, you know, a good rate. I don't want a job. I want money. Sorry, can't help you. See, that's bad charity. But good charity, you can call it this. Go work for a couple hours. We're happy to pay you so that you can buy whatever it is that you need. Hmm. So for the person that you offer a job and, and they don't want it, where and how does the church interact with that person? Well, we don't get a chance to interact with that person because they leave mad. Is because that okay? Like something in my spirit is like, oh, wait, no, I got to... I got to do something like, is that something that we should just be okay with in their response? I think that's a really hard question because then who are you doing the charity for? Is it for you? Hmm. Are you really helping them? See if they need a job, hire them and help them get a better job. Now you've helped them help themselves. They need gas. Okay. For what? Are they working and they just literally ran out of gas right in front of your church? Well, that may be a little different. That's just kind of a one-time, let me help you. But the hard part is, is how do you discern what's the best thing? So charity's really hard. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule of thumb, when somebody walks in and they're asking for something, put them to work. Mm -hmm. Let them earn it. But our experience is they don't want that. And that's on us as a society. We've created that, that it's okay not to work and to mm -hmm. go beg. Mm -hmm. We see it on corners everywhere with a sign that makes you feel bad, homeless, 
well, we have a homeless shelter. How come they're not at the homeless shelter? Because they don't necessarily want to be in the homeless shelter. They just want to get money. It seems like a really hard thing to to discern and have to play case by case. Yes. And I think with it, it sounds like what comes, like you're going to get burned. You're going to, there are going to be things that as you extend grace, as you extend, like here's a job, it's not just this is the, the key to the solution, but I think just as anything, as you're giving things away for free mm-hmm. as well, people are also getting burned, both the the recipient and the one lending it. Yeah, think about what you just said. If you're helping somebody who can help themselves, you just rob them of, rob them of their dignity. But if you help somebody that kind of like pulled a fast one on you, you didn't rob them. They robbed you. But you didn't rob them. So you can still walk away and say, God, you know why we're doing this. And, we, and we're doing this with a good heart. We're really trying to help this person based on what they said. Um, and I think that's where the church can show a lot of grace and do their best. Just don't stop the giveaways. The giveaways are doing more damage than good. Um, the government is in place. I mean, every government agency in every town across America is set up to give it away. And like, they give it away. That already exists. They like, exist we don't have to already. create it. Yeah. And almost all agencies are giving it all away. Well, that's not on us. I think right now we're just talking to the churches for a moment. But when you're a church and you're giving something away, okay, think about this scenario for a minute. I come to your church. I got my hand out. You rob me of my dignity. You give me some food. And you're like, oh, great. Maybe they'll come to church. Why would I ever want to come to your church if the feeling that I have walking away from the church is I feel robbed? Mm. Even if you gave me food, I feel robbed of my dignity. And I think dignity surpasses our hunger every day. Our dignities are so critical for us about how we feel about ourselves and how others feel about us. And when you walk into a church and you're made to feel less than and you're made to feel like you're a beggar and made to feel like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of judgment too. Mm. You know, I've been to a lot of places where churches are implying you don't know how to manage your money, implying that you're wasting your money and all these things, implying that you're lazy, implying. So all the implications that you're getting from the church, um, I mean, you want to see an example of this. Um, when there's a food giveaway, when somebody pulls up in a nice car, just listen. They're always judged. Mm-hmm. Look at that person. They showed up in a really nice car, you know, and here they are begging for food. Wow. Talk about the church judging. Mm-hmm. So then they walk in. How do you think they're feeling? Mm. Judged and robbed of dignity. Well, I'm a curious guy. So we, we used to do food giveaways. We used to until we learned all this. Now we don't do a food giveaway ever again. And uh, we would have hundreds of cars coming through. So I was sneaky. Um, I went to every car and I had a clipboard. And we had a garage, so we were doing oil changes. So I went to every car, and I just said, I said, I would ask the driver, and I'd say, 
hey, is there anything wrong with your car? When's the last time you had your oil changed? And I'm guilty as well when I would see nicer cars. And I would say, hey, is there anything wrong with your car? Talk about humbling. Mm. So this how... Is, how do you speak to that, though? Because I think that is a feeling that a lot of people have when you're doing something and someone shows up with very yes. nice things or they've got yes. their, like, $10 Starbucks drink in their hand. Like, yes. we have all been in that that we place. Have. So how, how do you address that without that initial reaction of judgment? What is the yeah. proper reaction? Well, let me tell you what I learned first when I went to all those cars. The driver would say... Oh, I'm not here for food. I brought my neighbor. He was in the passenger seat. And I heard that repeatedly. And one time, somebody came up and said, you're probably wondering why I have such a nice car. I didn't say a word. Hmm. She said, I bought this car when I had a job and I lost my job. Hmm. And I can't even afford the payment and I'm going to lose my car. So I'm here for food. And this is car. Lindsay, when we got done, I felt horrible because here I was wondering why all these nice cars are here for food giveaway. Do you know I could account for every person? Like nobody was there in a nice car for food. So shame on me. But you see, that was part of our learning. We wanted to learn. We wanted to understand. And I didn't want to ever be in a position again where I was questioning a person walking in the door. You know how you do that? You charge. Mm. Simple. They come in. I don't care what you're driving. They're coming in to buy something that we've made available. It's a business deal. Mm -hmm. They're paying for it. They're paying for it. Mm -hmm. So why would I? Why would it matter? If you're driving a nice car, I don't know anything about your finances. You could be steeped in debt and credit card debt because of medical issues and everything else. And you have a nice car. Great. You're coming in to buy something. Fabulous. Mm. So, but churches, let's just go back to churches really need to stop giving. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a lot. This is going to shift the way a lot of churches and individuals both interact with people in need and when you're assessing needs around you. So I think we talked about carrying cash on you, paying it toward someone's grocery bill, but not necessarily the whole thing paying towards someone's brake changes, but not covering the whole thing, assessing what people can pay for themselves and creating that level playing ground of a business deal. And now we're on the same page. Right. So what else can listeners do before they go? Well, I think a lot of people like to go out to eat. Um, I always carry cash in my pocket intentionally. And every time I go into a restaurant, I just always get to know the waitress or waiter just a little bit. You know, where they at in life? Are they going to school? Do they have family? Do you have kids? And just in my role, I'm accountable. So when, let's say, I take somebody out to lunch and, um, and I charge that to the church, um, I can only do 20%, you know, for a tip. Um, but when you're here... Um, a person who's just, you know, trying to go to school, trying to make ends meet, trying to do things, um, then it's fun. You just, you put your 20% down. Um, but then before you leave, you just open your wallet up. And, you know, the difference between, I mean, what's a few dollars? What's a $5 bill? But somebody in Alice, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Give extra five or ten dollars. Give an extra twenty dollars. And they're going to be so grateful. And they served you well, and they earned it. And you're just saying, I'd like to do just a little bit extra because I'm so proud of you without ever saying a word. I'm so proud of you for working and taking care of your family and doing everything you can. Here's extra. And they took care of you. And they took care (laughs) of you. Everybody wins. Mm -hmm. So I think my challenge today for every listener is watch for those opportunities. Watch for opportunities to do something for someone and help them, but not do it for them. That's great. It's going to cause a lot of shifts. It might get a lot of people angry. But not the people you're serving. Right. They'll be happy. Right. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.